welcome to the show. Today I've got with us, with me, Rob Riedlinger. Now Rob has got a very colourful past in that he worked for a colourful printer or two. Welcome Rob. How's it Holger? So I met Rob when I was, intru- when I was looking for somebody to help me put my beer book together and I think if uh, Rob had known how much work it takes he would have taken a shortcut out of the meeting but he didn't he helped me put uh, the beer book together and uh, we all know that it was an absolute bestseller and a wonderful job you did thanks you thank you Rob and welcome to the show great thank you thanks for having me Rob you've been in printing and publishing for for a long time haven't you yeah 22 years 22 years that's nearly as long as I've been selling beer (laughs) and your business was called was creative copy world initially not color sorry creative copy world and then I changed it to creative print world because I wasn't just a copy shop and uh, valuable lesson learned in brand identity and naming very early on in the business Mm -hmm. and then um, had that which was then bought out by Marion Hill Mission Press. I worked there for a couple of years and uh, gone back on my own in kind of marketing and publishing again. Yeah, so you and I have another thing in common. I mean, I've always wanted to open a brewery and a monastery and in particular in Marion Hill. Um, But I ended up publishing the beer book there or printing it there and putting it together with your help. So, and, and you also like the monks, eh? Well, yeah, I like the monks very much, but I really like the beer that you brought around. Um, 500 beers that we, we photographed and worked on and um, your market research you'd already had, but I felt I had to catch up a bit. So I was tasting a lot of those beers, eh? Yeah. And it, and, and the background of Marion Hill, it, it's it's a Trappist monastery, or it was, wasn't it? Wasn't it was originally a Trappist. It was Trappist. founded by Trappists. Trappist. Trappist monks, yeah. Yeah, which is very cool, because Trappists make really good, good beer still today. Great. I mean, La Trappe, I never pronounce it correct. You're always telling me how to say it right, but some of my favorite beers. Um, but the Trappists themselves are, are a fascinating um, Catholic order in the sense that they are the, the guys that everyone knows don't speak, take that, that silence thing. And that's very interesting kind of concept now where it's such a noisy world, socially, mm. visually, and uh, they, they reach out to the world through silence. So today, would they be allowed to tweet? <laughs> yeah, tweet in silence. I, I don't know. But um, I, I like that their actions spoke out to the world Um, I'm a religious boy but um, not the kind that feels you need to to be bashing it up I like the approach that your actions speak louder than your words yeah okay and do you know any Trappists now no there there are none here in South Africa no No. okay except the one that sells the the Trappist beer no he's not a Trappist okay and tell us a little bit about your first business? You were based in Pinetown? Yep. Did you have a, a, a retail store? Yeah. Walk-in. Um, it was opposite McDonald's next to Kentucky. Oh, so, really? Okay. So I had a lot of uh, lot of takeaways in the early <laughs> days. I used to walk to the KFC next door, and they used to call me two-piece because I always used to clap a two-piece and chips. Um, it was like cheap back then, eh? Um, so, yeah, started from, from a shop with one computer and one little printer and then built it up into a quite a big digital setup 
and then brought in Lafo. Um, I was 22 years old at the time. Um, I actually think I got it wrong. Um, and I'd had a cold when I got the, the calling to start the business. I joke about it, but it, it probably was true. I thought I heard God say, Rob, start a coffee business. And I said, a coffee business? Yes, Lord, I'll start that. <laughs> and I, I, I probably was the, the guy who was supposed to start Starbucks around the world <laughs> and misheard God and started a print coffee business instead. It worked out okay, but I still I know I make a great cup of coffee now. <laughs> yeah, and you like serving. I mean, yeah. how many cups of coffee have you made for me at Marion Hall? Yeah, a few, eh? <laughs> Okay. And um, so... Tell me about your first Apple computer. You've got those geeky little-looking Apple things. <laughs> yeah, the the little round fish bowl yeah. um, ones on the stick that look like the little uh, uh, Pixar lamp that moved yeah. around. Yeah, they're, they're, it's amazing. Some brands, I mean, how, I'm an Apple fan. How, how long does that go back? When did you get, get those? Ooh. And how did you find them? As soon as they were available, I I'd got I got them. Weird apples um, for apples or yeah, apples for apples. The the best place in Durban. Can they? Is that fifty dollars royalties? <laughs> they gotta pay you for that. Yeah. So great store. I mean, there was a store in Durban that sold Apple computers back in. When was it? I think I got them before two thousand. Okay. Um, I started in 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 ninety six officially with the the storefront. Mm. So yeah, it was in the two thousands. Um, and you got those because every geek had Apple computers or? Mostly the ad agencies. Yeah. Um, and you I had to do work for the ad agencies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're, they're, I use them now because they're rock solid. I mean, Windows mm. is, is, is cool. Um, I'm not one of those people that knock a Windows machine, but Apple has just worked well for me. And yeah. I stick with what I know now. It's comfortable and it's solid technology and what did you pay for those two machines when you in I actually had four of them okay. um, I, I don't I don't remember they were I took a loan <laughs> <laughs> I think I paid them off over three years um, but they were crazy it's amazing how a piece of technology that you're using to make money becomes an advert for you because I had an open plan business and I positioned them that they came in and people were like, "Wow!" And um, it's it's a very interesting concept that I think I uh, Apple must have known it, but I instinctively picked up that let your product become an advert and let your advert become generating revenue. Like the Lego Movie um, generated a profit for Lego, but mm -hmm. and yet it's the greatest advert for Lego. Yeah. For, for taking the kids to watch it and you, you rebuy Lego. So I think the technology I was using to make money actually made me look even better. I didn't buy a 100,000 Rand leather couch and a piece of artwork on in the mm. reception. I spent every spare penny I could on, on technology mm. and, and positioned it nicely, made it look visually good in surrounding, and that, that worked for me as part of the branding. Mm-hmm. And uh, how many books have you published in your life? <laughs> or have you had a finger I, in? I, I don't know. It's hundreds. <laughs> eh? hundreds. Um, yeah, and 
diverse. I mean, one particular one that I fondly remember is the beer book. Is the beer book <laughs> that was definitely the most exciting one. Um, probably cost me personally the most because those beers cost five hundred beers times average of forty bucks a beer. Um, you can't just have one. Um, no, the beer book was was an absolute jaw. But one book that comes to mind that I really did enjoy was um, by Jack Nash, who did the story of Belito. Um, There's a story to Belito? Yeah, and on how he he was one of the first people to move out there and, and build a house. Okay. Um, and he was over in his 90s, kind of when he put it all together. And, and that book sold for years consistent. And he would take only a run of, say, two three hundred at a time and every six months he'd pop back in and take another 300 and they would sell in the stores around belito people wanting to know the history of it and <laughs> yeah what i found fascinating is uh watching you guys and you and your team with these books in in a, in a foreign language some african language that none of you spoke and you had to proofread it letter by letter i mean how do you do something like it yeah th that is we had a specialist what was that that funny that oh, big massive book we we did um i think that might have been um susutu hymnal or prayer book it was over 1300 something pages <laughs> it's, it's a big book um yeah in in it, that was in the Catholic world. There, there's a lot of prayer books and hymn books, and yeah. with all the languages in South Africa and and in Southern Africa, because we'd print into into there as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> got to get the right little accents, and yeah. there's a lot of proofing backwards and okay. forwards. And so it's not only you're not the only ones proofreading. Yeah. It's somebody somebody's mother tongue is, is yes, definitely is, very important. Okay, okay, and. I mean, now, to publish a book. My sister phoned me the other day and she wants to publish a book and raise some funds for her little nephew who's, who's in need. Um, and I said, you can only speak to Rob. He's the, he's the only guy that will ever be able to help you get a book out. But, I mean, those, there must be hundreds of people who want to publish a book. And, I mean, the first thing somebody said to me when I wanted to print a book or, or publish a book is they said, oh, they make lovely business cards, but not money. What is your take on that? Mm, that's quite a perceptive person, and they're partly right. Um, it's a lot of money to put a book together in the sense when you add up the collective expense. Mm. Um, if you take into account your time to write it mm. and to conceptualize it and then to actually put it onto paper to to edit um to make the physical object of the book is the easiest part um it's then going out and selling it mm. and and the network from there i remember one thing that struck me with you and you were one of the few people that kind of saw this but um you said You want to put a book out, and um, if we worked on a minimum viable product, 
something would happen because I I immediately saw the huge amount of work that was going to be needed mm. to put a book of 500 beers together and mm. seven I think you had like 80 free beers that you'd organized and I'd already could see from that the amount of work you'd put into this book already that what there wasn't anything down on paper yet that mm. book was in your head and I think you were suffering from the curse of knowledge in the sense that you you didn't realize how much you really knew mm. and how much was in there and how big this book was mm. and then to sit down and get it out. Yeah. And that, that took us a couple of months. Yeah. You, you kind of camped in with us there. And uh, until you really know what you want. I mean, I'd, I mean I've mean, i got three siblings. My sister, who's a, who's a homeschooling mother and remedial teacher. I mean, I know there's a book in her. My oldest brother, who's the fundi on pecan farming in South Africa, I know there's at least one book in him. And my youngest brother, who's who's a, an accountant and mergers and acquisition specialist and fund manager, and I know there's an interesting book in him. So in my family, without just between my siblings, there's every, everybody's got a book in them. And uh, yeah, it's a pity that that one can't just, at a click of your fingers, produce a book. Yeah, and you're right. Everyone does have a book, a story mm. in them that they're an expert in, Yeah. certified with a degree or not. I'm not to, but you're an expert in the sense that you are someone who has experienced something in, in a certain field or industry, and you have a particular take on it that you bring who you are as an entity, you see it through unique eyes and you can express it with a unique voice. So everyone does have that, but it takes a bit to actually pull that voice out mm. of you. And as I said before, is to to remove yourself from that curse of knowledge mm. that you take it for granted that everybody knows um, that there is a massive difference between um, a porter and a stout. Whereas to me, they look originally just to dark beards mm. but you you could instantly tell the difference and know why they were different and what the purpose was and to say well let's let's pull it back here and map map mm. it out for your audience so you need to speak to your your reader mm. and, and actually have them in mind when you put that book mm. out and pull it out the technology is easy now um, you I helped a guy that, that couldn't afford our services, um, the full hog from kind of an editorial, structural edits to um, a proofreading to feedback and, and all the, he couldn't afford it. So I sat him down and, and he did it in Word and I set up a template that would match um, the most economical print size and he banged out a book and printed it himself digitally i showed him where to get it bound for us was too small a run for what mm. we needed and um sold those and then he's now boosted up to running two thousand at a time and that he's now using as a business card because mm. the consulting gigs and the speaking gigs are coming so in a sense it does become mm. a great business card for you yeah i mean I think we're both fans and students of the digital world and we're kind of born 
in the right area. I mean, I don't know what we would have done if it was 200 years ago. Maybe we'd be working in the print shop and printing mm. Bibles and stuff, but or become priests or, I don't know, gone to the army. No, not me. Oh, I, I found a pretty girl early, so uh, priesthood um, was out for me. Well, <laughs> the other priests. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just think that, I mean, looking back at, at my walk or my road leading up to the publication of a book, and I, and I say this in context of somebody who'd like to publish a book, you have to build uh, you have to build authority, and mm. I mean the book helps with that. But you have to build a, a following and and people that um, want to hear what you say. Yeah, you were a unique case in the sense that I kind of and, and I, I know you don't like the term, but you have this air of authority in your field that is is there it's it's humble it's not that rock star in your face um and you built on that and you wrote for an audience that you actually loved um in the sense so you weren't writing to prove a point you were writing to serve mm. and that very clearly comes across in looking back at all the the books i've been involved in you can see an egotistical writer who just wants a book out for their name or a, or someone who wants a book out to fill a need to to serve to provide information for people that need something in a particular field um and and those are very different and generally those those books do better um they sell better and then the the work thereafter works mm. out better i've seen so what I'm trying to get at is that if you want to publish a book, you need an audience. So you've got to be already talking to people or people have already got to be listening to you. Now, if you the chairman of the Pekin Growers Association, obviously all the Pekin farmers are listening to you like my brother. Yeah. Um, and if you say so he's got an audience, but he doesn't have a blog, he doesn't. He's got a website which is... 15 years old um, mm. but I mean there's so much content that he's got th that if you put it out um, people would lap it up Yeah. or my sister now so you can hear we're in the garden <laughs> and beautiful bird life <laughs> there's yeah. lots of bird life here as you can I don't know if the mic's picking up all the rest <laughs> definitely maybe the hardy dogs but the rest is some beautiful birds here lovely place yeah. here so building an audience I mean, how? What is the best way to do that now? If you if you starting from nothing, you want to publish a book. I mean, if we if we look at the New York bestsellers, Michael Hyatt, for example. Yeah. I mean, he just gets up, puts up his his hand, and says, "I'm going to publish a book," and and it becomes a a, a bestseller. But he obviously knows he's been in the industry for a long time. Um, but somebody who's like myself, who's not familiar with. Uh, you know, building an audience. Yeah, I think you you need to build an audience, but you don't build an audience to write a book. I think you serve your time first. Mm. You have to actually love your industry, okay. your vocation first, and 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 you had done that. I mean, mm. I loved um, what kind of clicked for me straight away. And you were, we were talking about your book and, and conceptualizing it. 
And then he said, no, no, Prue, let me show you where I started from. And you pull out a picture of a little delivery truck, mm. like a little bucky thing. And he said, this is my first vehicle. Mm. Boom. And now I go, and I'm looking through all your content, and you've arranged 70-something or 80 beers free with all these brewers, and they've signed on already. And then you, you've got a shipment of, of 500 beers coming into our studio to, to photograph and I go okay so he can pull off running he says he wants to run 5,000 books and <laughs> O's are happy to give away a free beer to everyone who buys a book so he's got 70 guys that are completely prepared to give away a free beer to everyone who buys a book so 70 guys are going to give away uh, 5,000 free beers these guys have got a lot of trust in Holger <laughs> and he's got 500 beers that he just delivered in boxes and boxes up into the studio to get photographed um wow and then he pulls out a bucky and he starts in and i'm going ah this this is gonna work because if you've got enough money you can buy 500 bottles and just send them in for photography but money doesn't buy you those connection and that trust mm. for guys to say holger i trust you i'm going to give every one of your readers a free beer and put it in there and boom so and that comes so you had an audience you didn't set out to build an audience mm. to publish a book you okay. you set up to build a business that served in a particular industry um you you loved what you did you might have had ups and downs we all have good and bad days but you moved through and you were consistent in your industry and then you said it's time for a book sure got stung by a bee mm. No, something flew down my throat, <laughs> and I felt it falling. But no, it didn't. It didn't bite. It, it just tickled. <laughs> Maybe it's in the back of my lederhosen now. <laughs> Those look so good on you, dude. Yeah. I don't know where we were, bro. The yeah. authority, or yeah. something like that. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an interesting thing because just publishing a book, how many books? I mean, I, I heard a number that a bestseller is about 900 books, I think. Yeah, in, in this country, Africa. yeah. I mean, you are a rock star bestseller. Um, in the, <laughs> yeah, I know you hate that word. But yeah, it, but why it sold so well is you saw a niche market that you were an expert in that you loved it wasn't all about Holger. It, it was all about the beers, the brewers. And you were a force that connected everything together, pulled it together, curated it, and served it up. Mm. And now I can go, up until that stage, I'd really not like beer. I was like a red wine guy. Now, I haven't bought red wine since um, I bought your book. And, I mean, I you've seen it. I, I tick off. I'm one, you were laughing at my screensaver on how I categorize and, and uh, neaten up things, my wallpaper. But I tick off every beer and rate them. And if, it, if it's not in the book and it's a new one that's just come out, I write it into the back. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's authority, curation, putting it together. Everyone's got a story. Um, 
but you need to want to put it together as a book for the right reason. And then there are places you can go, uh, like me and, and other services that will sit you down and mm. walk you through a structural edit, help you write it, edit it, publish. But the biggest problem I see with most people that write books, and this wasn't the case with you, and I think it was because of your your entrepreneurial nature, is that you saw the business side of it well. You understood the the cost of the book not only in in terms of print but in marketing distribution um and and getting it out you you instinctively understood that and you were prepared to do the work i mean you hit the road and after that book went live it was like in early december i followed you on facebook i mean you were literally in every corner of the country and every brewery every function there um, working to promote the book and uh, it struck me straight away that something Terry Pratchett had said to me and he's that famous English author that's passed away now I, I read all his books he came to South Africa once and did a book signing and I took all my books there and he signed them for me and uh, in a little talk before the signing he was saying that the real work begins once the books are in boxes and have been shipped to the distribution place. Mm -hmm. And there was Terry Pratchett, already an international bestseller, selling millions of copies around the world. I think by the time he'd come, I met him at that, that particular reading, um, he was probably on his 15th, 20th book. Mm. And there he was in Westfall exclusive books, Terry Pratchett, I'm like what the hell, dude? You, you're from England. You've got a worldwide audience, and you still make time to come to Pav and sit down. Mm. And and you, he filled the store. It was crazy, but he wasn't too good to go anywhere to promote his book. He mm. didn't need to. Clearly, there was a love for his readers, and like like what you were, you were mm. out there being with. The people that were going to buy the book and you were with the people who the book was about because mm. the book was about the beer the brewers and you were with either the south african brewer and i think you forever changed the landscape of of the south african craft industry and then you were with the international brands that were coming in you were meeting with the distributors saying dudes you you've got to get your beers into this store and that store and truly it's it's about caring for your audience if you prepare to do that then write a book if you want a book for a name um, there are plenty of vanity presses that will take your work as a word document smack it up into a little template that looks pretty in the right borders um, and put a pretty cover on it and send you five and pay a fortune or send you 200 and they'll thousand and they'll sit in boxes in your mm. garage forever and there'll be plenty of people that'll take your money for that service mm. you need to write a book wanting to get it mm. out there and no matter how good you are you still got to work because mm. i mean as you say in south africa you can say i'm a bestseller and you've sold 900 you mm. know, you, you cracked big numbers it was quite nice on my trip to munich the other day just with a bag full of books, and, mm. I, and uh, I sold a few, 
which was quite nice because I did a talk and I said at the end on my, my last slideshow, I said, please, 30 euros for a book, 10, 10 euros for one of my craft beer maps. And one or two guys snuck up on me and dropped 30, 30 euros on my, on my desk and took a book, which was awesome. And because um, it paid for my lederhosen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but just to be able to, like you say, it's a, it's a nice business card. To walk up to the Prince of, of Bavaria. I, and I saw said, that picture <laughs> on Facebook. I was like, wow, so man. So, dude, uh, and I spoke to his PA and I said, I've, you know, I'm from South Africa and I've got, I, I used to sell the Prince's beers in, in South Africa and I'd like to, you know, present him with a book. And you, you get, I mean, you, you, there's certainly something to it, which i'd forgotten about i mean just being able to give somebody a book is is yeah. quite a nice it is a nice feeling so the vanity thing is real um and and even the other editors and publishers that were at the show the 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 editor of Beerwelt, which is probably the authority on beer publications i mean she just published a book on monopoly in in the brewing world and i said dude here's a book for you know a nice photo and hmm. It is, it is a nice feeling to have a book. And I, I think what you're referring to there is, you know, the, the, the vanity of, of, of being able to give a book. I wouldn't say that's vanity. I'd say that's, that's a little bit of a celebration. And I think mm. we're allowed to celebrate our successes. Mm. But I think one reason why a book does so well is that it shows people that you have taken the time to collect everything, mm. to spill it out. I mean, mm. Ernest Hemingway said it's easy to write. You just sit down at a typewriter and bleed, which in a sense you're giving so much of yourself, mm. is why people respect an author is that they've taken that time to get all that out of their heart, their soul, their mind, put it into a format that works, looking at that the rewrite mm. multiple times that I've forgotten all that the, the, the time that we took to struggle through mm. on like how are we going to why you put the free ones at the front then local then international at the mm. back how you categorize them people respect an author because when they look at that they go this is someone who's taken an immense amount of knowledge and experience nice guy nice girl lady uh, but they've got the discipline to take their experience and distill it to something that I can read like that. Mm. And I think that's why it reinforces and amplifies your authority in a field because of that distillation. And mm. it's kind of funny, distilling alcohol, mm. distilling information. Yeah. Yeah. And how's, I mean, all these digital books, I mean, that's changing all the all that sort of romantic thing about having a publishing a book yeah it it is um and i'm a big fan of, of digital i mean I, mm. I read 100 books or more a year um and i'm reading them either on ebooks kindle uh, a lot of audiobooks from audible but i find myself i'll spend a lot of time in the car or between mm. meetings i'll be listening to an audiobook if it's that good i'm finding i'm I immediately will buy the Kindle version because um, in in the world that I'm in, I need to read a lot and, and write a lot. So I will be listening to an audio book and following on my Kindle, on, mm. on my actual Kindle paper white as I go. Um, and, and then 
I try and get the hard copy. It's, it's a tragedy that exclusives closed in Pavilion now. Really? Yeah, it's not there anymore. Um, but the digital allowed me, I believe, why I'm so grateful to the digital revolution, Audible and Amazon. I could get any book on any topic instantly yeah. and start learning. Um, I read an immense amount of beer books when you came yeah, in. I mean, you bought a whole lot. I bought and listened <laughs> to and, and, and read just so I could help um, with, the, with the curse of knowledge sort of thing mm. to make sure we won't leave anything out. But digital allows me to get something then and there. But if it's something I truly like, I will search and get a hard copy okay. somewhere. I collect, um, if anybody, when I become a rock star, want to send me a gift, Catch-22, I collect old copies of, of that. What is it? It's a book, but um, and I collect old second-hand copies, new copies, new reprints, hard copies, soft What's copies. What's it about? It's, um, it's a satirical book about World War II oh, okay. and um, how a guy creates an entire business while in the Second World War and runs as a mayor, as a place. It's a fantastic book. <laughs> and it's something about um, to get out of war um, and go home, you need to be crazy. Um, but you can't tell the doctors you're crazy because if you do that, you can't be crazy because a crazy person doesn't know they're crazy. So that's where that expression catch-22 comes in from that book. Um, I love the story, the whole concept. So I don't think we're ever going to replace a hard copy. I mean, for example, when, when I buy some craft beers and um, at home, I don't open it. I, I, if you look on my Instagram, you'll see there's many photos I've snapped of me drinking a certain thing and I'll Instagram it. But um, I go and find my beer book and tick it off or write it in. Uh, I don't go to an app and go uh, tick, although I do like collecting data like that mm. in a digital format there is something about pulling out a book and mm. you know a mate comes round and i go i just read a great book the other day uh, the revenge of analog like you don't invite a mate round and say look at my awesome collection of digital music on your screen mm. you, but you'd show someone your vinyl record mm. collection you know um, and you've been in my place you'll see my three bookshelves full mm. of books. I, don't, I never pull out my mm. Kindle and say, look, my thousand books on my yeah. Kindle. It's, you can't do it. It's stupid. So the romance, the tangible analog feeling of a book is never going to go away. Mm. And uh, I mean, people that want to start the project, what, just give, give us some tips before they even phone you. I think you need to have written something mm. um, that would definitely I've worked with people say I, I've got a book can you help me I say well where is it no it's in my head mm. and I, I have worked with people getting a book out well I didn't have anything written down <laughs> yeah yeah you, you were one but it, it you had a lot of it and it was on the tip of your tongue mm. and, and it just poured out um, like one of those big kegs that you say just that you're going to munich <laughs> smack it out of a keg um so, but other than that just to have a first draft um that's is is often enough for me to say right I, i've turned down a lot of books 
from my first draft. Um, and you know, it's how I make my money. Um, where I say to people, look, this, this, please, you need to, you need to rewrite this. Um, even though like they want to throw money at me to take mm. the project on and make it a reality for them. I just in, in good conscience say it, it's just not up to scratch. Mm. Um, I've had that. And then I've had, mm, you know what? The, this is a terrible first draft, but it's a great book. Mm. Let's. Okay. You're going to need to put your ego aside, and you're going to need to actually go. Okay, let's let's rewrite this. Let's fix this because the whole concept, the book, is great. So I can see a great book in a terrible draft mm. straight away, and some people are then prepared to to humble themselves enough to say, let's pull it apart and fix it. Mm. Um, and often that's it's what I'm doing, and um, no one ever knows about me. And you know, I almost feel like I, I've written multiple books with people, in the sense that we've we've started it from scratch. But the real mission and authority, and it has definitely always been that person, you know. But so to work with someone, and there, there are a few people like us out there that can say. I can immerse myself in your story, in your world. I will get up to speed in how the world sees your particular field or topic, read around it, and then read your view, mm. help you uh, fine-tune and f focus your voice for the reader because you're not re writing it for yourself. You're writing for your reader and um, go from there. So from a terrible first draft I can work with or got something in my head we sit down normally i like to smash a curry at a meeting with someone uh i think if you can eat a curry with someone and mm. and move on from there um it's a good way to start a relationship because you you become quite close um i found with someone that you work on a book with because it's a deeply personal project very much so yeah okay i mean Rob, I've got a lot. I think we've got lots to talk about. Also, with where you're going now. So you've you've started a digital agency again mm -hmm. called Monk Media. Yeah. Which isn't only about publishing. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, I think it's come from um, my love of entrepreneurship, mm. and I see authors as entrepreneurs, not not writers. I see yeah. them, that's how I. It's a little bit like Robert Kiyosaki who says, I write best-selling books, not best, whatever, reading books. Yeah, yeah. He didn't get the... Uh, he didn't win any uh, Nobel pr uh, Literature Prizes yes, or yes. awards. But, but he sold one or two books. Yeah, many. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So um, he's an entrepreneur, yeah. a book entrepreneur, rather than anything else. So that, I, I like to work with someone who sees their book as, as an business. extension of their business, their brand, and who mm. they are um, in the ranging fields. But then I, I've moved out of the actual um, running of a print business mm. as well. So while I was MD, I was running everything. I now am sitting and working with authors um, and businesses, helping them take their voice and I, I think going back to the trappists who didn't speak mm. um but their actions 
showed who they were and what they stood for. Um, in a noisy social media world, I think many people have um, unfocused voices or unfocused stories about their, themselves and their business. So I am now helping businesses find their voice, focus it and articulate it onto a social media platform that represents them accurately mm -hmm. and helps them get business. I mean, you're, you're a legend in this and I, I love watching your work and follow it immensely is how you are able to be Holger but then express an idea promote a product without it seeing salesy or an advert you you can just bring people's attention to why they should try this beer i'm talking working with a pool company you know why you should work with them because they actually understand how to maintain your pool and in spring when the frogs come they can tell you how to prevent frogs jumping into a perfectly sparkly clean mm. pool they know how and they share so i help people share their story that helps their customers which in turn builds their authority their trust factor and helps them be a more successful business so i'm all about the digital the story mm. told on a digital platform so how would i mean how would that apply to my my listeners who i guess are probably involved in the beer industry i mean whether you're a retailer or or a brewer it would apply massively um and, and I, I and i just want to say that I, I mean i met quite a few craft brewers in in on my trip to munich now and looking up i didn't see any websites or social media stuff couldn't find them on facebook which yeah. is normally not the case in south africa i mean all our brewers have done quite well with social media yeah. well i i would probably attribute a lot of that to you um building a huge social presence and awareness about that but i i think i mean south africa is an awesome country and we make some great beers i mean and i can say that not as a beer connoisseur but as a beer lover mm. and um the stuff that you've recommended and and others go wow now there's a difference between getting a like on facebook and getting a sale and we're all in business to crack a sale and mm. i think the brewers you can make the best beer in the world and people don't know about it um what's the point and i think that's why they need to pick someone in their field that can help them tell their story authentically. My speciality is kind of small business, mom and pop, small startup entrepreneurs who are starting and religious is, is, is a big mm. field of mine. Um, people come to me with a, with a story to tell in that and I can help them on social media or a book and a website and that. If I was a brewer in South Africa, um, you know, get hold of someone like you who has um, authority um, experience authority and a solid presence on the social platforms and understands how they work and work with someone like that I mean if I owned a brewery um, and I have someone offering to uh, put some money in with me and then start some 
lovely hardy dogs. Are they still endangered? Well, they're endangered. If I had a gun, I'd <laughs> pop it. <laughs> um, I have someone who said, oh, you know, Rob, you, you could do a great kind of uh, religious monk, Abbey Ale, you know. You've got the connections in the, in, in the church to, to pull something like that off. And, uh, you know, the, basically, like, Rob, here's the money. Let's do this. And the first thing I'm thinking is, I, I ain't touching any money. I'm not investing any money until I've spoken to Holger about this. So, you know, like, this is not an advert for mm. you, but as a brewer, I would be going to someone like you who's going to say, tell me it straight. This is what I want to do. And you are direct to the point of bluntness, but with a person's best intention in mind. So you'd say, Rob, you said to me, don't brew it yourself. I'll find you a contract brewer and, and work like that. Now, that is advice that you sh- should pay for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I would hire, if I was a brewer, I'd, I'd work with you. If I was, um, and if I was a new NGO starting up that had just come in from Canada and wants a presence on social media um, because I'm working with a particular project on street rehabilitation drug addicts. You've got to tell a story not to street drug addicts but to donors Mm. and you need to understand who you're talking about, who you're talking to. So you need to pick an expert because while um, like there's some great beers and I, I, I've listened to your podcast and I enjoy hearing the stories. Um, Durban Poison in particular, one I enjoyed being a local Durban mm. beer um, and the, the cool name. It's, it's, it's a great beer. But, but to be honest, I've, I've forgotten the owner's name, but I, I haven't forgotten his beer. Mm. And it's still at, at Hillcrest Tops, my favorite shop. Um, and I've heard you talk about it. So, as a business owner, you need to actually realize that it's your product that people want. Um, so work with people who can tell the story of your product well. Mm. Find those kind of um, connectors and natural communicators in your field. Mm. And there are Holgers out there in the medical field. There are Robs and Holgers out there in the in the the dietitian world who can help take your voice out into those things. So I think work with an industry expert. Um, and I, I know I do this is I educate the, the, my clients and customers on how to do more and more themselves mm. because it is easier and easier to do these things yourself. Mm. But, when you're growing a business or, or just growing a particular product or service in kind of accelerated launch phase and and that a lot of the time you need to be focused on other things mm. and to, to to outsource your voice um, can be a, a big time saver but you've got to outsource it to the right person who understands the industry and your product and your customer most importantly mm. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen some horrendous little Facebook posts where it says nice craft beer and it's brewed by the biggest brewer in the world or some stupid thing yeah. like that. So yeah, I guess 
Rob, I mean, if, if maybe some practical advice if you're running a Facebook page for, for a bottle store. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that I enjoy doing is always looking for new stuff. Yeah. I mean, new and exciting and understanding what excites me probably excites a couple of hundred other people. Yeah. Um, but that's what I love about how you run a Facebook page and m- many people might not actually realize how many you do run um, because it's not about Holger. You never mm. make it about you on, on some of your Facebook pages that you do run. Um, and this is where my bugbear comes. Um, and I work with many agencies and I, I hate these Happy Friday posts or hustle, hustle, side hustle, you know, I don't need to read that in my, my Facebook feed. It's clutter. It's garbage. It does nothing to enrich me. Mm. And I think what, what you do on a, on a Facebook page and what anyone should be doing if they want to run a successful page is actually be feeding your fans or your followers something that is of value and interest to them. Either educate or enrich their lives or shut up. Mm. No happy Fridaying them. Tell them about a new um, beer that's come out or a new orange squash or a new energy bar that you've created out of pecan nuts and honey that is low GI. And why? And if if you only make one bar of low GI pecan nut bar or something um, to be putting on your Facebook page that bananas are perhaps a great midday snack um, in line with the philosophy of your product. Keep your communication in line with what you're doing. Nobody wants to hear Happy Friday from from Top Spa. They want, to, they want to hear about a new gin that's coming out of Cape Town that's made from um, desalinated salt water that's a Feinbos thing that is probably unique in the world or something, and that's now available. That's interesting to mm. me. That makes sense to come through on my feed. I don't want Happy Friday or Thank God It's Friday Weekend or Pooza Thursday. I don't, nobody gives a crap about that. <laughs> Stop doing that stuff, you know? <laughs> I mean, I met I met a guy in Pretoria once, and he he was he he phoned me and he said his uncle gave me gave him my number, and his uncle is Tony in Cape Town, and he started talking, and this is two three years ago, and this guy said he's he wants to start selling craft beers in his store, yeah. and nobody was selling craft beers at that time, and. I said, well, just take a photo and put it on Facebook. He said, I said, like your uncle. So Tony is, how old is Tony? About 65. And he started posting every new beer on Facebook. And this guy was saying to me, he thought his uncle was going through a midlife crisis (laughs) because he was on social media the whole time. But now everybody knows Tony at Liquor City Claremont as one of the top destinations in the Cape for for craft beer. Yeah just simply sharing all the new stuff that came in it's that easy yeah um but you've got to put yourself out there i mean just like mike does at hillcrest tops i mean he he does like to put himself out there and mike does a great job um and 
I live in Pinetown on the wrong side of the railway tracks, okay? But Ilcrest Tops is where I like to drive to get the beers because it's got the biggest and best selection. But another thing, I go next door into his spa because he often posts great um, specials on, on steaks on Friday, perfect mm. for the weekend. So he's he's putting something on my feed on a, on a Friday morning or Thursday afternoon I've got more steak on special. Mm. Weekend time, the weather looks good. I'm going to have a bra. Cool. It, it's timeous. It's pertinent. It's at a good price. And really I trust good. Mike mm. because I've seen him a lot mm. on... Um, he, he does a lot of live video feeds and little video clips and stuff. And I feel I know him. Mm. I trust him. Every time he's on there, he's like, how's it? Um, he's talking about something. He's not like, I'm Mike. I've got an awesome spa. Mm. He's he's educating and serving. And I think he, he's a great example of, mm. of how an owner can use that. And I know he's worked a long time with you. And I think this is what um, any responsible digital agency should be doing is to be working with their client to authentically tell their voice themselves Mm. um, and fill in when they don't have the time to do it but when they do come on to be able to be consistently accurate to to how they really are expressing themselves Mm. and i think it's so important i mean i mean i'm thinking of an example which I saw yesterday. So I'm involved with uh, Lifestyle Tops in Belita where I helped them a little bit. And I saw a post which had no likes, no shares. Mm. And it was for a brewery giving away a free bottle opener. Mm. And, I'm, and I sent a message to the owner and I said, guys, why haven't you shared this post? Yeah. Maybe they didn't know the post was up. But there's no point in putting a post up and the brand owner who or whoever is being posted about doesn't respond or share or get excited exactly. about it. Why yeah. should I get excited about exactly. it? Um, oh, and I, couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, if somebody posts something about me, I'll share it or I'll, exactly. make, or I'll comment or, or getting at least engage. Yeah, if, if many of us um, are on, on social media in a business presence and in a personal yeah, and if if you're not sharing your own business, it, it means you know you, you're selling you're selling meat you don't eat yourself, sort mm. of thing. You know, okay. you can rest assured that those steaks that that Mike is selling, Mike is taking some of those home mm. and cooking them himself. That's authentic. Yeah. And yeah, to to not know what is going on, to outsource your your social media presence to an agency and not know what they are posting or when they're posting it and and to not know what your last post was is irresponsible. Mm. And I mean, the least I would do is if if I trust a manager to run my store, I would trust him to run this, the, the social media or be involved in the social media. Yeah, because in a sense, it's an extension. I mean, extension. If, you've got 10, if you've got 10 or 15 spas, you can't, no. you can't run the social media. You need somebody to do it. But the, whoever's in charge of your store, I mean, somebody needs to be the face of the store. That's what I believe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in Mike's case, it's Mike. But he's only got a quick spot and uh, tops. 
but uh, you know if it gets bigger and he's got a you know he's got a manager that manager should be visible on social media yeah 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 interesting but yeah i, gu I guess it's the same thing for us it's logical and what did, what did you call it if we understand we so deep in it the curse of knowledge the yeah. curse of knowledge and i think maybe we should t meet again and just talk about social media and, and for the benefit of myself, maybe just about our industry. I'd love to. I always like hanging out with you, Ray. <laughs> Mike, uh, Rob, Mike, uh, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks for helping me with the beer book and for helping me to tell my story. Um, you've done a great job and uh, I look forward to working with you oh. more. And I hope we find a few guys for you, for your business. Where can, where can people find you? Um, on my website, monkmedia.co.za. Mm -hmm. Monk is with an O. That's not monk media, it's monkmedia.co.za. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm there. You'll find me. Thank you. Rob Riedlinger from Monk Media. That's it. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, we'll Bri. see you in the trade. Cheers. <laughs>